This is the 911 Calls Podcast with the Operator and Michael Jordan. No, no, it's just Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, just, it's Jordan Bonaparte from Nighttime Podcast. Oh, um, are you going to try to get Michael Jordan on here? No, no, probably not. All right, so just, um, Jordan then. This is United States Coast Guard, St. Petersburg, Florida. Request your position, nature of distress, and number of persons on board. Over. Oh, oh, hi, Jordan. Hello, good to be here. But I, when I agreed to this, I had no idea I had to record in Jack space. It is disturbing in here. Yeah, I was very clear. No blacklight right you didn't bring a blacklight right <laughs> no i uh no. i can kind of smell that some weird stuff would show up so i'm glad i don't have a blacklight yeah. it's the, a crime I'm, scene in there it is candlelight and i've already seen too much <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that he could work off candlelight alone but mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. he, he doesn't want it to get too warm in there <laughs> uh, yeah the, the dark topic is the blanket in the back of this room that I don't want to go near. <laughs> yeah, there should be a little quiet, muffled voice crying under there. Just leave, just ignore, ignore that. It's nothing. I had to get used to it too. Hey, so um, does does Canada have any like special holidays in May that you can think of? Uh, no. Can you think of one in May? Well, is I it? can actually. I did a little. Re- I I said on the uncut that every time I listen to you, I respect you very much, and I I know that you're an astonishingly intelligent person. So I I I bone up on my research about Nova Scotia. Oh my goodness. Oh, I do. I I don't want to seem uh you know bereft of knowledge. So, uh yeah, you actually you have Victoria Day. Yeah, that's that's okay. one of a list of holidays we have that I don't know what they are other than I get that as a long weekend. And so I think yeah. Victoria's Day is something to do with the Queen or yeah, Queen. It's, yeah, it's set up to honor uh, Queen Victoria, who's sort of like Obama in our country. You know, they okay. were a leader at one point. Okay. Um, yeah, but that day was also hijacked for you guys as fit. De, de, no, hold on. <clears throat> I'm going to do my French French here. Fête de Loud, which commemorates a French dude with the last name de Loud. Mm, I thought it was but, a type of cheese you were saying or like a way to cook <laughs> cheese. Yeah, I think it is also because I believe that's how they killed him ultimately <laughs> was a cheese bath. But um, it was also actually it, it became National Patriots Day, which is uh, celebrated in Quebec. Uh, mm. To honor the struggle of their people, and in reading up on Canada, you guys had some rebellions that feel oddly familiar. Like you had something called the rebellions of eighteen thirty seven and eighteen thirty eight. It it seems sort of like our battle of the north and south, sort of a battle, you know, mixed in with some politics and some patriots that pepper in a little bit of racial injustices, and boom, you qualify as a country. We got all that, and it's we still got it going on today. There's there's uh, some movements in Canada for two different parts of the country to leave the country and go off on their own. But oh yeah, there's uh, you may not hear much about Canada down in uh, you know beyond our borders, but I'll tell you, we're dysfunctional, and they're not as nice here as people want you to believe. That's marketing. <laughs> 
Well, the interesting thing that I also found was people will pull up a, a map of the United States and it looks, you know, all the states are broken out. If you do it with Canada, it looks like you gave a really strong child a very large marker and he just went one, <laughs> two, three, four. You know, it's big, giant vertical sections. But you guys also have conflicts it seems between what I guess they call, what do you call upper Canada and lower Canada mm. even. That's so interesting. And very different between the East and the West, just like anywhere. There's, there's a lot of political issues. It's a complicated place, but I am uh, firmly on the East coast of Canada where we live a very simple life, uh, surrounded by water and fishermen type people. As your listeners may get from my accent, I probably sound like a fisher person, but, uh, <laughs> It's a beautiful part of the world, and op, you can come up here anytime and stay uh, somewhere far the heck away from where I live. But you're welcome to come. I'll just I'll meet you at the dockside bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll be fun. You got actually. There's also May Day, or as it's referred to in Canada as International Workers Day, oh. which is sort of a Labor Day of sorts. Yeah, you know, so you guys have you guys have really stacked that. That holiday with a lot of, you know, May Day, people around the world kind of visualize children dancing around a maypole celebrating their working class parents, you know, and the the fight for an eight hour workday. Mm. But that that's not all. Like as soon as that happened and Canada embraced it, the U.S. embraced it, there was a people out there that were like, wait, International Labor Day? It was hijacked by the Marxists because they're like, mm. you can't have a Labor Day if we're not involved. <laughs> and so obviously the Marxists had their their time with it, too, you know, and, and uh, it became a, a darling of the Socialist Congress uh, back in the day. So we all seem to celebrate something having to do with May, even though by then we're burned out with Christmas and New Year's. By the time you hit May, the season's changing a little, mm. but we're not quite to like Independence Day in the U.S. or or what? What do you have there in in like the July months? Do you have anything? Well, like we have Canada Day as our big celebration in in June, like the country's birthday, and it's you know it's yeah. summer by then, so there's a lot of you know you're outside for that holiday. But here on the east coast of Canada, May is really when you know it's. Uh, the snow is melted. There's no more snow going to fall, and we're able to take off our winter jackets and maybe wear a hoodie. May is uh, it's just getting nice. Yeah, and you do call them hoodies there. You don't have like an, another like toque or I know you call beanies toques. So yeah, toque you... is the hat, but the hoodies. Right. Uh, I'm wearing one right now, a hood on my sweater, as opposed to a zip up, which would be a hoodie with a zipper up the front. Okay, <laughs> seeing we call them the same things here. You go to England and they call them jumpers, and it totally said no. That's that's a device used to actually start my car when my battery's dead. So okay, no, I think a, a jumper is someone who would like attack you from behind when I'm down on the mean streets of Halifax. <laughs> yeah, I was attacked by a jumper. <laughs> <laughs> the mean streets of Halifax. That's probably. I don't know if you could even do a whole podcast called that. I don't know. No, no not not that mean. <laughs> <laughs> But we all seem to celebrate May in one way or another. And I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll add holidays there in the future. I'm sure Trudeau will probably get one. I, I oh, You know yeah. what? I don't know if he'll ever have statues, though. I've thought about this. Mm. I don't know if they'll make like bronze busts of, of Justin Trudeau uh, for one really important reason. And that is it's really hard for, for bronze busts to not have blackface. Oh, you went there. 
<laughs> yeah, our uh, country leader has famously on multiple occasions uh, donned blackface. Um, and then uh, I don't know if he lied about it or admitted to it after. But yeah, I will tell you, though, our, our leader uh, has fabulous hair. It, oh, it's glorious. You know what? I'm growing mine out. And that's in the back of my mind now. I'm like, if I can get it to look like Mr. Trudeau's, mm. I, I'm doing something right. Mm. And uh, I kid about the black facing because somehow he's a survivor. And I want to know that recipe because I need to know that recipe because of the messages I get from people. Yeah, I think it's easy to uh, get rid of uh, controversy when you lead the country. Yeah. Um, and, and he's not uh, immune to uh, a large portion of the country disliking him strongly, as evidenced by the massive protests that are overwhelming our country right now that are oh, s- squarely against him. <laughs> Oh, I haven't heard about any of those oh, except no. for all of them. No, I've heard. About them. <laughs> um, oh, there's it, you. It's it's hard to make a go through a day where you don't see a truck with like a flag that says like F Trudeau. <laughs> That's like a symbol right now. Is that mm. uh, my question? Is has it gotten so bad that is it still Canadian flags though that are being flown, or are these trucks have American flags on them now? Because we seem to as soon as we hear you know free speech or you know, anything that seems, you know, sort of conservative or like, you know, anti this, we seem to throw a flag on it. So, yeah, well, we we see American flags. We see Trump 2020 something for whenever the next one is. <laughs> we see the um, uh, that other flag that's controversial from the South. Oh, like the don't. Oh, the the uh, the Confederate flag, Confederate yeah, flags, the- but certainly the Canadian flags. A big thing now is to hang your Canadian flag upside down. People use that as a statement against the government's uh, handling of vaccine-related issues. And then the F. Trudeau flag is also prominent uh-huh. right now, uh, um, prominent among people who oppose um, the government. What's going on? Right. Mm-hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, the Canadian flag is red with a big leaf on it, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, got a red maple leaf in the center and two um, vertical red borders on each side. It's a very nice looking flag. I was going to say, you turn that upside down. That's a very subtle protest. <laughs> yeah, just, it is. It's like leaves do that coming down anyway from the trees. So, you know, you it seems... Yeah, it seems very Canadian. It's like, well, I want to protest, but I don't want to like, you know, I don't want anybody to get offended. So how do I do this and still be about my principles? (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, that's a... Yeah, that's a subtle microaggression towards the government. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so anyway, so Jordan Bonaparte, that's pretty French sounding. Are you are you from France? No, my family is uh Italian. Um I don't know where oh. the name Bonaparte came in. And it's like I let people down so often because they'll see my last name associated with Napoleon Bonaparte and right. approach me, uh, bonjour. Blah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Do but you I'm speak a, but I'm an amazing risk player. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't speak French. I, like I, if someone talks to me in French, I can pretty much uh, tell what they're saying and explain that I don't speak French. But yeah, ah. no, I'm uh, – um, an anglophone, just English. Okay. See, you, once again, you're an enigma because I, I, I listen to you and your podcast and you're so refined and everything. I, I expect you to say, well, I, I know seven languages. That's <laughs> what I thought. That's the power of editing. That's a compliment towards <laughs> my editing. <laughs> but you edit, edit on your own and you write it yourself. So I'm still, mm-hmm. I'm still very impressed. So, you know, thanks, you can't, thanks, you man. can't shake me off. I'm, 
I love you. Thanks, Al. <laughs> um, you have you have a little podcast of your own. Uh, it sounds like what what is it called? It it is the nighttime podcast. Um, I I never came up with a name, but I work on it in the nighttime, so it's my nighttime podcast. You know what? We threw we threw a couple people off because I I mentioned you on our Facebook page. Uh, did you see that? I made, I did a poll. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I and, got uh, a kick out of that. <laughs> and even some of the people that listen to your show are like, well, I know he has a podcast, um, and it's called nighttime, but I don't know what this big, long nighttime podcast news of the weird, strange, <laughs> da, da, da. I don't know what that is. Is he doing something? No. I'm like, no, that's the actual name of the show. Yeah. It's a very extensive yeah. name. I, I call that like the name is like nighttime colon Canadian crime mysteries in the weird because I cover Canadian crime mysteries in the weird but uh, yeah. listeners will just refer to it as nighttime or the nighttime podcast um, that that was a great post on your Facebook but I think one of the more popular p- posts ever on the on your Facebook group was I went in there in character and uh, <laughs> I told people that I was leaving your Patreon because I didn't like the amount of cursing that I heard from you and Jack. And I knew your audience was going to eat me alive. And I posted that. And I don't know what I was thinking because I did it like going to bed. And I woke up the next morning and I had like 400 notifications that were all like, you know. Were they like nice? That, or were no, they, no, they, no, they were pitchforks. They had a trial. I was convicted of going against you both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as as you should have. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah, we've we've got an interesting mix. You've got a great community as well. Um I kid that you've got a little podcast because your podcast is sizable. I do have one more question here. And uh we did cover this on the uncut, but I want people to know this. I want all fourteen hundred of our listeners to know this as well. Fourteen hundred, because I was thinking since I'm here in place of Jack, I didn't think anyone was even going to be listening without me listening in. <laughs> so others are going. There are there are other fans. Well, uh, well, actually, I'm trying to build some because okay. when Jack's not on it, he's home listening the, right now. Yeah, all the fans go away. They're like, <laughs> well, I'll just be back when uh, you know Jack's back. But um, but your show has an interesting word attached to it syndicated so mm. what is what does syndicated mean and to me it sounds like you are cnn and just huge and like it's like saying it's like saying number one new york times bestseller to me that's wow. what that says yeah no it basically means episodes of my podcast like most like most people would listen on a podcast player like Apple Podcasts or whatever, but um, it's syndicated to be broadcast on radio. So in most places in Canada, you can hear it like a certain night of the week at a certain time on your local radio, an edited version that's uh. Uh, more friendly to the, you know, a, a more diverse uh, listenership than the podcast gets. So it's not nearly as fancy as it uh, as it sounds. Like most people, like you, you hear radio show people becoming podcasters for and not the other way around but i think my show for whatever reason it just kind of worked as a radio show have you listened to it and you've mentioned they have to edit for time uh does the show get cut down uh you know what i've never once listened to it (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't air in my city uh on my radio station like we don't have a, a radio station that airs it in halifax it's in most major cities though but um 
I do know lots of people do because I get randomly like you get an email from your listeners or whatever. And if I get an email, it's like I, I know it's someone who listens to the podcast, but I get snail mail often. I have a P.O. box. Whenever <laughs> I get snail mail, it's someone who's a radio listener correcting my yeah, correcting my grammar through mail. <laughs> yeah. Different demographic altogether. Like those people, they don't have a car. They don't have a phone to answer in the car. They wait till they get home, you know. At, and they park the Chrysler and they go in the house and they get out their steno pad and they craft a letter to you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, that is a, a nice feather in the cap, though, because most people can barely say they're podcasters when they're podcasters. So you've been in the gig for a long time, too. So you've been, is it almost eight years? Going on eight. I'm... Uh... I, I think when I started, it, the only like Canadian, I was the only like person covering Canadian stories exclusively. And I can only think of one other podcaster that did crime from Canada at that time. I can't even think of his name now, though, or his show. But there was like only one other at that time. But since then, it's changed a lot. But and even like from when I started podcasting seven or eight years ago to present, not only has it changed in Canada, but just podcasts in general have changed because this was before like Serial, which really changed true crime. And I've heard the production level of, of what the expectation is on, on a podcast go from zero to 100 over that period of time. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's changed, but the one thing that hasn't changed is that you can hear the genuine passion person versus like the paid for by a, some company to create a podcast person. And that's why I love your show is it's uh, I can tell you're just paid by some person to pump stuff out. Exactly. It's, it's the McDonald's. Yeah, it's just fast yeah. food for the year. Dump dump that crap in. I am given a job description every week that I have to read out loud mm -hmm. to confirm that my I'm contractually obligated. And then they tell me exactly what to say and what not to say. Mm -hmm. And, um, but what I won't tell you is who owns me because that, that might give away why I talk about the things I talk about. <laughs> oh, exactly. This is state funded, um, <laughs> yeah, the really deep is. state. And it's obvious that like just the style of the show, I can tell it's very driven by, what is it called? The, like the, uh, when they, poll random people they make them listen and then they get their responses and they, oh yeah like uh like a focus groups yeah like this is the <laughs> result of like a couple focus groups they drop lsd in the water before it starts yes someone very imaginative and cruel it's very scientific the focus groups are crazy cat ladies and soccer moms and then they give those people lsd and whatever they say would be a great idea during that folks group, that's what I am compelled to uh, to have to review. Yeah, so, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometime we should do a show together and see how that works out. I've got a focus group that I could put together for, for Canadians and Americans. And we'll see, what mm, see what get them get them stoned <laughs> and see what they come up with for us. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Let's see. So um, there's a note here. Now, that can't be right. Nobody is that. Is that even a thing? Thing. It says here that you are a part of the satanic temple. Is that like a purveyor of fine satins? Or maybe you play a rare instrument from India called a satan or something? What What is that? No, it's it's more interesting than that. I would, it, it is like a, a religion in the United States recognized as a religion and gets the tax benefits as a result. But more than that, it's a, um, I would say a political 
activist group that uses kind of the taboo of a Satanist or Satanism as a way to highlight and uh, demonstrate the bias some religions especially mm-hmm. you can imagine which ones uh, get get benefits uh, that others don't and nowadays whether you're american or canadian we live in a very diverse population with many different religions and interests that people may have and many different backgrounds and kind of the a big focus of the satanic temple is to show that if um, that there are some parts of our civilization that aren't as open to different um, types of people as they should be. For example, a school that may provide funding for blank religion to come in and do stuff. Yeah. They're, they should allow all religions. And if they don't, um, and if, if the Satanists want to get in and they don't allow the Satanists in and only this one particular religion, that's a good <laughs> way to highlight uh, the, the, the bias that's built into it. Yeah, that um, disparity maybe, right? Yep. It's, a, it's an yeah. interesting group with a headquarters in Salem, Mass. Um, Ooh, and it's creepy. It's, it's, well, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a very a cool place that if you're someone who values – diversity and acceptance of others, um, then you you probably would be interested in reading about the Satanic Temple. There's actually a documentary on Netflix that uh, came out recently that's well done that features the head of the Satanic Temple. I'm wondering if it's still on Netflix because the top news things say like uh, from 2018, the Satanic Temple sues Netflix and Warner Brothers for $150 million. It sounds like maybe there was some misrepresentation. Oh, it was amicably settled. Was that before? That was a different thing. There was a documentary or not a documentary, a TV show, Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, I believe or something. Uh, And -hmm. what they used is they used – a statue made by the satanic temple of Baphomet as like a villain. Um, the goat head. Right? Yeah. But it was, but they used the exact design. So it was kind of a trademark infringement. The documentary I'm thinking of is called hail Satan. And then there's a question mark. Oh, okay. And, that's and yeah. And it's, uh, it tells the story of the satanic temple and what they, what they do and what they set out to change about society. Uh, it, it is not not your typical like you know witchcraft Satanists. That's for right. Sure. What, what I think is really interesting about it is it's actually artful. I think the discourse that's generated by it. And if you're listening and you're Christian, or you're listening and you're anything, anything really, <laughs> you don't worship Satan, right? You're literally using the concept of the individual. Similar to, but I think more effectively than we've all heard it. You know, some somebody will say something in this day and age, I don't pick anything, masks or mandates or something about a vaccine or something. And there's always somebody who will say, blah, 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 reminds me of the Nazis, right? And and they say <laughs> that and everybody's eyes roll because we're like, oh my gosh, you, you went there. What's interesting to me about, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the perception I have of the the Satanic Temple and the concept behind the the driving force behind it is that you're using you're using a very recognizable name brand uh, concept to to show the contrast, or or in some cases, maybe in a lot of cases, the irony of the kind of the calcification that can happen in our cultures, in our towns, in our societies, in our laws, where 
I might not bat an eye at the fact that they put a Ten Commandments statue in a in a public park here, and I, mm-hmm. you know, bec- having kind of Christ- uh, Christian f- foundation, I see that happen. And I don't even think twice about mm-hmm. it. But to your point, uh, it seems that that what is being brought up is is you're using kind of that very extreme banner of the the name Satan, and it being correct me if I'm wrong, like a 501c3 nonprofit registered religion, mm-hmm. rather than banging the drum of saying, hey, uh, there's this little tiny religion over here that feels left out, or hey, you forgot about these guys that don't believe in the the, the Ten Commandments, or what about Muslim, you know, the Islam, Islamic faith, or you're, you're basically running in with a very big banner that says, hey, we're a religion, and also... If you're going to put that, then here's our Baphomet statue, mm-hmm. and you're making a point. You're making a point that although people should be free to to practice religion or whatever they want, that public spaces need to be recognized as public for all, not mm-hmm. just a narrow it, slice it, of our culture. Exactly, and the Ten Commandments monument is a is a great example where that's a, a real scenario where one's on the grounds of a state capital. Um, but it, they weren't accepting other religions to be represented. Um, so the Satanic Temple uh, is is and was suing uh, for permission to put a statue of Baphomet as a kind of a, a counterpoint next to the Ten Commandments. Um, and that's a way to, again, to open up a public space for any religion. But by using the symbolism of Satanism, it really just beats the point over the head and shows the irony and the bias that seems to be there. Although there is a case to be made for the Ten Commandments being historical as well as religious uh, in some parts of the U.S., but it's pretty clear that it's often and usually used as a religious monument. I would even say it's in one ear and out the other. Like, we we don't think about we don't we don't consider or contemplate i've talked a lot about statues lately more about them being removed than than, you know them standing somewhere (laughs) but we don't we don't think about the implications i think often and i think where maybe society oversteps and and i i think this is maybe kind of in line with your the the thinking with uh with your religion slash what would you call it? is it, would you call it religion what, i what, i don't uh, people do but i think of it more as a type of activism where like what is important to me is that yeah. everyone's represented everyone feels at home this is and and where i'm from in like nova scotia the city of halifax a very diverse population with people all over the world and I think that's like to embrace that is so important to me. So whether like regardless of what your gender identity, sexuality, religion, I I, I think it's all kind of crap. And I'm just like everyone just should just be able to be themselves and be comfortable. And we need a government that accepts that, not just says that they do accept that but actually in practice accepts it. So the idea of showing a bias towards any one way of life, be it a religion or sexuality or gender identity or something, I I just don't, I don't dig that. And I don't know, as a straight white middle-aged guy, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I think uh, everyone should be comfortable. And there's a lot of people who don't identify um, as the straight white, middle-aged 
Christians. <laughs> yeah. I gravitate toward, I guess what I would call implicationism. I really like history. And I, the re, one of the reasons I like history is because for every positive thing that happened in history, there are a whole bucket load of cautionary tales. And I think that the more I understand those, the more tempered I become in my maybe approach or my my view of current events. And the way I see whether it works out for the satanic temple as a religion or per cause, whether they get beat or they win, I think the message there is consider the implications, dot, dot, dot. And that's something we just, as people, we don't do enough. I don't think we get very excited about our own, our own brand, but we end up just, we're very comfortable smelling our own bath bubbles, but we don't <laughs> like, we don't like anybody else in the bath with us. Uh, and it, the, the thing that comes to mind in, in very, I think, very common Christian cultures is uh, the, 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 you'll always see a video of some lady going, well, you need Jesus. That's what the problem here is. And, but she's lost the concept that the person that she's talking to, Jesus is not a factor, has never been a factor in their life. So mm -hmm. she feels very confident that that's going to change this person, but you just lost your opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I kind of look at, at 10 commandments, statue monuments, and that kind of thing is the same. It's sort of like you're making a statement ahead of all of the actual work it takes to bring somebody, convert hearts and minds and everything. No one's going to look at a 10 commandments statue and be like, you know, I should really read the Bible or <laughs> nobody. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of feels like that's the message is, Hey, there's, there's implications to what we, what we put out there. Especially on public property, it seems like a statement of what the government is endorsing. And yeah. the government is made up of all the, all the citizens, and they're not all, I'm sure they're not all agreeing to have that monument there. I think uh, there's a time and a place for religious monuments and uh, associating it with public properties, probably, unless they're going to open it up to everybody to take part in. It seems like it's maybe a bad decision. I think that people should be able to worship or not worship how, where, or what they may. I think that's probably the best way for us to roll yeah. forward. I, I, I can get behind what you're doing there, brother. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Well, speaking of May Day, remember way back when I mentioned that earlier in the episode about mm -hmm. May Day, that part? Day. Yeah. Yeah, way back. Uh, today, we're covering a seldom-covered corner of the emergency audio universe we cover 911 calls all the time and we listen to police chatter and what happens on their body cameras and all that is made available to us uh, because it makes its way into the public domain but do you know one type of audio that is super hard to get a hold of because it's not considered public domain no mayday calls what is a mayday call calls of distress from an airplane and stuff like that. Like basically, if it's found on the device's black box, it's typically kept that way. Oh, okay. In the US, calls of distress from airplane pilots recorded onto the black box, or it's also called a CVR, uh, they're not made public, uh, publicly available. Congress actually forbids it in the United States. They'll transcribe yeah. the audio a lot, uh, and that'll make it into news, you know, into the hands of journalists or whatever. But the audio rarely sees the light of day. Uh, you can't even request them through a Freedom of Information Act request like I can for 911 calls. It's kind of crazy. 
Interesting. Yeah. And you would think it would be less sensitive because with a 911 call, you have a civilian where with a Mayday call, it's like going to be like um, kind of a trained licensed person. It just seems like it would be different as far as the privacy goes. But yeah, interesting. I think I know why it could be. And I think it has to do with money. Consider this. I'm a pilot of a, I don't know, a $30 million plane owned by an airline that is armed to the teeth with contracts and waivers and disclaimers and marketing and branding teams and professional pilots. The last thing they want to have happen is for me to be able to get on a microphone and be like, yeah, so the, uh, the engine it's broken. And for the news to start going, well, you know, Boeing's equipment seems really fault. So, you think about the implications of of these machines in the air that are all kind of woven together in this industry. And I think it's maybe similar to why marijuana is illegal versus tobacco's not. Somebody at some point was like, this is a business decision. We want tobacco to succeed. Hemp gets in the way. So you make it illegal. And I really think that that's what it is. I think it's about liability. I think mm. that that black box stays black because there's too many businesses that could be affected if we were to hear all the chatter that goes on on that black box. Mm. You know? but, would, but would the chatter not just be really technical stuff? I'm thinking if I hear some pilots talking, they're just going to be saying a bunch of like codes and numbers that I wouldn't understand. They, yes, and I think you're right. But the interesting thing is if you were to get, which you can, um, a radio and start listening to police chatter, it would sound very similar. Yet, if you can decode the codes, you know what they're up to all night long. Mm -hmm. You know where they're going. You know the severity. So you start to, to kind of decipher the temperature of the town. You know mm -hmm. how many how many domestic abuse cases are there? How many? For where some are the reason, good donuts? <laughs> <laughs> where's a good place to nap? Uh, yeah, all those things. So I I really do think it's a. I can't imagine what else it could be except for that there's a high level of liability and money to be lost in having the public be uh, have a critical eye hmm. on the flaws of your flying machines. Hmm. I, I don't know. Hmm. Interesting, though, that uh, this doesn't include marine-based craft. And you live in a – you live in a – Port would you call it a port town? Is a that port city, yeah. We we have Halifax is a big harbor, so that we we often get both products coming in on big ships or cruise ships coming to see our um, beautiful unemployment rate. <laughs> is it low? Is it that, is, is low it? in Halifax. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Have you guys had the same thing that seems to happen everywhere, which is because of everything we've been dealing with for a bunch of years, people aren't coming back to work. Are you, do you have that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have most yeah. people. Yeah. But we're also getting a lot of immigration to Halifax where people are leaving bigger cities and coming to smaller town Halifax. So ah. our, um, we're seeing a lot of growth. And uh, because of that, we have a bit of a ho housing crisis right now. But luckily, our um, police force here in Halifax is really efficient at just like finding and beating up homeless people, um, <laughs> which is – Quite a controversial situation in my city here. We've had uh, a housing crisis and a strong-armed police force have led to uh, a lot of um, calls for the police to be defunded, as you can imagine. 
Well, as soon as they start putting them on buses and shipping them out, then you then you've you know you've reached uh, apex uh, concern. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. we've we're, got a we're getting there here. We're quite concerned. Yeah. They'll incentivize them to leave in some cases if if you follow like the California process. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But you know, I'm not going to get go there. So you're familiar because you're in that. I don't know if you knew this, but you could actually get a radio that picks up marine communications and you mm. could uh, it, like in particular if you turn turned that radio to channel 16 or frequency band 156.800 that's dedicated to distress calls on the sea hmm. internationally yeah and it's an internationally accepted standard so ships are required actually to carry a radio that's set or has at least access to that channel and have it active. Uh, and most coast stations maintain a listening watch on that, that channel kind of, hmm. I feel stupid telling of uh, somebody from a coastal town. I'm looking at you now and I'm wondering, no, I have no idea about this. Okay. I, I want to, I'm thinking like, where can I get one of these radios? Um, I'm thinking I'm going to hear people like smuggling drugs in my backyard. You might. The, the, once again, the code chatter, right? If you yeah. hear, if you're, we have the box of nachos, that's <laughs> um, Mexican drugs. If you hear <laughs> croissants, that's from Quebec. You, you know, you just got to mm-hmm. listen for the codes. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about that is not only are ships compelled to pay attention to the channel for distress, but the International Convention for Safety of Life at Sea, which is a very long name. What would that be? Is it the acronym CSLS? That's not very sexy. No, no. In, in 1974, they established the, the requirement that if you are sailing, trolling, dumping stuff into the ocean, whaling, or just playing around with your little dinghy, and you receive a distress call... You have to drop everything you, you're doing and go to help if it's oh. within a certain area. Yeah, it states this. It says, quote, the master of a ship at sea on receiving a signal from any source that a ship or aircraft or aircraft or survival craft thereof is in distress is bound to proceed with all speed to the assistance of the persons in distress, informing them, if possible, that he is doing so. Wow. Kind of, kind of crazy, right? Well, so, it's it's sure different than uh, on the streets where when you're near distress, you pull out your cell phone and quickly take a video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you want to become viral, but you don't want to, you know, actually. Yeah, I don't want to get blood citizen. on my shirt. Yeah, I want to get footage. Exactly. <laughs> I also though I think this is a bit of a double standard that ships at sea have to help airplanes if they're in trouble. But airplanes don't have to help ships at sea? Mm, yeah, there's some double standard there yeah. for sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think all airplanes should be required to have pontoon landing gear on their wings. Mm-hmm. To, Absolutely. Uh, it, or like a big long rope with a hook where they can pull the exactly. boat up out of the water if it was sinking. Yeah. I mean, a hook in the water going 400 miles an hour might <laughs> 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 Might pose some concern, but hey, they made an effort, and that's what this is all about, mm-hmm. right? So exactly, you don't got to save them; you just got to give it a shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you showed your good intention. <laughs> uh, that's that's an interesting thing, though. Is I I've listened now to enough of these distress calls where it doesn't seem to necessarily be that if you're in the area, you are compelled to go and help. A lot of these captains, they'll 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 say. 
I can't put myself at risk for X, Y, Z reason. Now they'll, they'll show up or they'll get within visibility, but like if the sea is too big or (laughs) a lot of the times they're like, I can't, I can't currently put my, my crew at risk or, you know, I have certain cargo, you know, we've got, you know, we're going to Epstein's Island. I don't know, whatever the thing (laughs) is, you know. (laughs) Got a boat full of kids here. (laughs) (laughs) I can't bring anybody out. We have the Doritos. (laughs) Um, But, uh, okay, well, today I have amassed an archipelago of marine distress calls and even a few black box recordings, don't tell anyone, and even a call that bridges the gap between air and sea nightmares uh, when our earballs are witness to a freefall of atypic proportions. It's just so good. Okay. All right, so to kick things off, let's listen to the totally, I don't mean to giggle right there, I'm nervous, um, totally nightmare set of distress calls that were made on May 9th, 1980. I know what you're thinking. May 9th, 1980. Well, yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of distress calls seeing as how the second round of voting for Iran's parliament was underway. <laughs> but no, but no, I'm not, not talking is about your, that. Your research is just Googling dates, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Coin facts or dates, you know, what's happening on this? Thing? Totally. It's just, you know, my, I'm sure Google gets a chuckle out of my 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 research. It's uh, it's awesome, but I'm talking about a bridge, a bridge closer to home in Florida, over Tampa Bay, which is also in Florida. So uh, I'll kick this off by asking a question: What sound does it make when a tanker collides into the Skyway Summit Bridge and kills 23 U.S. Coast Guardsmen? Uh. I got it. What sound does it make? I have a tin can here. Something like. (laughs) Very close. Yeah. I would accept that as almost the right answer. The the right answer is not as big as the noise that it made three months later when a 580 foot freight liner ran into the same bridge. Oh. Yeah. What's with that bridge? Who put the bridge there? It sounds like a terrible place for the bridge. What is it on the water? It's ridiculous. (laughs) Ships got to live. Okay, so let's listen in and and see if we can discuss the fallout uh, after the noise has settled down a little bit. So, um, you ready for me to uh, hit play on this? Let's jump into this. I'm ready. Okay, let's let's do it. All right, here we go. Coast Guard, St. Petersburg. Roger, what is the size of your vessel and can you assist? Over. 
Okay, very noisy call. I'm going to give him a pass since it was 1980. <laughs> they didn't have great mics back then, but what <laughs> what does come through is uh, it seems like a disorganized panic. I couldn't really tell what the heck was going on. At first it sounded like a um like an auction. You know, where they're like there was yeah. that quick kind of vibe. 
Yeah, it sounded like Peter from The Family Guy had taken over the Coast Guard for a minute there. <laughs> but yeah. uh, how how are you, Jordan Bonaparte? How are you with large bodies of water? How like as an individual, how are you? I I'd rather not be near them. I don't want to be uh, just. I don't like being in air or over sea. I'm a I'm a land animal. Um, yeah. The idea of like something going wrong when I'm out in the water or up in the air, I'm not interested. <laughs> so you, but, but you've, you mentioned to me that you've been out to like Oak Island a lot. And I'm assuming that that's not a, a brisk walk. I'm guessing that's on a boat. Or... No, no, they got a causeway built because they need to bring heavy equipment to dig for treasure. So there's a causeway. Really? You don't got to go over water. That's yeah. fun. Okay. Yeah. So, so, do, but do you have a, an aversion to, to getting on boats? I mean, I wouldn't a, say an aversion, but I would definitely rather not. Yeah. Uh, and I have um, a feeling this call is going to make me, um, is going to reinforce that. It's going to reinforce that and other things. It's, it's an okay. eye opener. Um, okay. yeah, I'm in the same, of the same ilk. I see people like on a yacht or something and they jump into the ocean. They're like, wee. And I'm like, no. No, you don't do that. There's, there's whole jaws. Yeah, exactly. The whole philosophers have written stories about monsters for eons uh -huh. about what's underneath mm -hmm. you. Just do not, don't do that. Yeah. So here's another, here's another thing that, and and this will, this dot will connect. But I was listening to this call, and then I was doing the research, and I think you're. I want you to know. I think you're a, an important person, and for a lot of reasons in our in our biz here with podcasting and everything i think you've established a tone and the way that you're professional and everything i really do i think you've made an impact and um wow and i mean that but and here's the thing here's the thing that i was thinking about because i knew i was going to be talking to you i feel important for xyz reasons and i think you're important right if you suddenly just died or I died, I, I asked myself the question, have I contributed to society enough to feel p at peace, to feel closure? Mm -hmm. How would you answer that question? Like, like if something, like if, uh, I don't know, the ocean came and just took your house away right now, do you feel like you've done enough? I don't know. I would be kind of worried about my, my next episode is kind of, my most recent episode kind of ended on a cliffhanger. I would, I guess I would, my children would need to learn to podcast and carry on my <laughs> awful legacy. Yeah. Uh, have I done enough? Uh, no, I haven't. I don't want to go yet. I got more. To yeah. Do. I feel the same way. Although Jack and I have talked and we're like, well, if one of us dies, Patreon's probably going to blow up. But <laughs> yeah, seriously. Other than that, how quickly, how fleeting life is. So let me give you a little backstory on this one. So on May 9th, 1980, southbound span of the Skyway Summit Bridge over Tampa Bay, Florida, was destroyed, destroyed, Oof. when the freighter named Summit Venture collided with a pier holding the bridge up during a thunderstorm. The collision caused six cars, a truck, and a Greyhound bus to fall 150 oh. feet oh. <laughs> into the water, killing 35 people. The pilot of the ship was actually cleared of wrongdoing by both a grand jury and a Coast Guard investigation. So I, I, I have this, I have the whole incident report 
from 1980. I actually had to like scan it and OCR it so I could actually read the text. <laughs> it was crazy. But uh, eight vehicles fell into the Tampa Bay uh, and were destroyed. The vehicles were, and this is kind of interesting. I, it make, makes me remember it's 1980. So some of these cars were pretty new at the time. Mm-hmm. But a 1975 MCB Crusader bus mm-hmm. owned by Greyhound. A 1980 Chevrolet Citation, a 1975 Ford LTD wagon, a 1980 Ford Fairmont, 79 Chevrolet Nova, which would have been a year old, a Chevy Nova, year old, 76 Chevrolet El Camino. Oh, hurts my heart to know that went in the water. A 79 Volkswagen Scirocco, which, you know, throw it out the window. Who cares? Um, And a 74 Ford Courier pickup truck. So get this. The roof was torn from the bus, which impacted the water in an inverted nose down attitude. So to paint a bit of a picture here, you're driving along on a bus and then suddenly the roof of the bus gets torn off like Godzilla just attacked. And then the view that you have as you plunge to your death 150 feet below is a roiling storm raged 80 foot deep ocean. (laughs) Just like that, man. That's like uh, it's almost like they flip the off switch on your life, but before they flip the switch, they just show you this horrifying, confusing picture. Exactly. It's like I couldn't think of anything that would seize me. I probably would die before I hit the water. Just seeing that, like, just imagine you're like la la la, and then the next thing in front of your eyes is the ocean, 150 feet down. I'm just like. I'm dead. I'd also be curious to see the difference in weight of a vehicle then versus now. Because when you hear like cars from the 70s and stuff, they're these big, heavy metal beasts yeah. on like the little paper things we drive nowadays. But Yeah. Well, 150 feet, they all reach 120 miles an hour in the air before they hit the water. That's enough distance to make that happen. 120 miles an hour, they hit the water. Yeah, to your point, everything is made out of steel. We barely invented plastic by then. So everything hits the bottom of the ocean in like eight seconds. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is so bad. So bad. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Do we know why the the sum adventure hit the pier? Or maybe later in the call we'll get to that. But I I feel like a pier that holds up a major bridge would be – it should be something you don't drive into. I would even go as far as to say if you put a pier into the water, maybe do one of those kind of like rock rock wash things that go down into the water so a boat mm. you know run, runs aground a lot earlier than when they hit the pier and mm-hmm. knock it over cuz the the bridge was just a big cement structure. So, you know, it wasn't like it was just made out of steel. The Citation, which was one of the cars, was also inverted when it impacted the water which would have been extra confusing because you're basically looking at sky when you're going down because you're upside down. The LTD, LTD, the Nova and the El Camino impacted the water in a wheels down attitude. So kind of a Dukes of Hazard bonk. Donk. Yeah. But that would be an, I bet you an incredible amount of impact oh. when it belly flop, when like a, when a vehicle belly flops. I, I'm sure that it would have been similar to you. You hear about this happening with uh, motocross guys. They go, they'll take a jump, and when they land, if they don't land right, they could they'll break their back because of the impact. So that would have mm. done damage to to the the body, right? Okay, so the Scirocco, 
was in a left side down and nose down attitude at impact, which is actually the same position that most Scirocco's drive down the road. So that guy was probably like, nothing's <laughs> going on. And then boom, water. So that's that. Okay, so here's some interesting information about the ship and its crew. The ship that took down the bridge was manned by a Chinese crew. And just like about every ship of its kind was properly licensed under Liberian law. <laughs> Liberian law. Yeah. But why, the operator, would a ship manned by a crew of Chinese people be licensed through the, some small poverty-stricken country in Western <laughs> Africa, you might be asking? Well, the answer to that question, we have to just look no further than our local travel agent. Ships register overseas to save boatloads of money on labor. That includes container ships, cruise ships, and any other ship with a paid crew. For a ship to fly the stars and stripes of the United States, it must be owned and crewed by Americans. Mm-hmm. It makes it subject to U.S. labor laws, including the minimum wage. Uh, American ships also must hire from costly labor unions. But for a ship to fly under the star and stripes... That's right. The Liberian flag in Africa is red, white, and blue. Red and white stripes and one star on a blue square. Laid out just like the U.S. flag. Almost looks the same. From 100 feet, you wouldn't know the difference. It needs only to be registered in Liberia for a ship to travel and avoid all those American costs. Go and register in Liberia. So why Liberia specifically? Because the Liberian ship registry set up by U.S. shippers after World War II is cheaper than nearly any other registry in the world. Mm. Uh, Liberia, as a country, was founded by freed American slaves and has always enjoyed a very close relationship uh, in trading with the U.S. So today, its merchant marine is one of the largest in the world. Liberia's ensign rivals even Panama amongst what we call so-called flags of convenience. So flags mm. of convenience are exactly what we're talking about. Ships never seem to, to fly the flag of, of where their business is based. Actually, a few years back, Liberia did push out all of the cruise ships that for years and years and years had used Liberia to register. But if you went on a cruise through, let's say, like Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines before 2001, then you were on a ship flying the flag of Liberia, and the crew would have been from wherever, and they were paid whatever Royal Cruise Lines wanted to pay them. Mm. Uh, Interesting. So it's kind of like you hear the Swiss bank accounts where it's like people will set their bank accounts there for favorable taxes. It's almost like the the maritime or the mariner version of that. And yeah. I guess I'm not surprised that the boat that crashed into the pier of the bridge was cutting costs uh, <laughs> dramatically. Right. Yeah. It's all start, starting to add up a little bit. right? Yeah. But, but what's funny is I'd like to be critical of just this ship, but every freaking cargo ship to this day, a massive percentage of the world's cargo ships fly under the Liberian flag. Hmm. And that's how you get a crew of Chinese people sailing a Liberian ship into a bay in the United okay. States. So, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. All right, enough fun facts. Let's get to some more terrible facts. 
No, just facts. Those were fun facts. That was just facts. Just. Contextual fly facts. <laughs> our uh, our audience is waking up right now. They've just started yeah. drooling for the last five minutes. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to work out, but I usually say, "Hey, Luna." At this point, so I'm going to say, "Hey, Jordan." Hey, Jordan. Hey. Hey, jo- hey, hey, Jordan. Hey. <laughs> hey, have you ever had a package from UPS or some other place just never show up and all they can tell you is it was misplaced along the way and you're like, how can it be misplaced? And they're like, well, it happens sometimes. It's nobody's fault. And you're like, it's the transaxle for a Chevy 2500. How have you checked under the rug? Maybe it blew off the table or something. <laughs> and they're like, thank you for using UPS. Is there anything else we can do for you? And you're like, I'm never using you again. And then next week you buy another transaxle and the shipping is $180 cheaper through UPS and wow. FedEx. So you are, has that ever happened to you? No, that sounds like a very personal story. <laughs> you still have a complaint going with them. You're waiting to hear back from the yeah. manager. It's an active investigation. I will say this. <laughs> well, this call, this uh, this uh, this next call, we're going to cover. Everybody died, by the way, on that one. Oh. <laughs> okay, all the all the passengers. No, the ship crew. No, nobody died on that ship crew. Yeah. But what I glossed over to try to make a funny at the beginning there was three months before that happened, and it hit that there was another ship that hit the bridge. And killed 35 Coast Guardsmen died three months earlier hitting this bridge in a storm just like this one. It was like a storm seemed to make the boats go right into the bridge. I don't know. Well, that that seems like really bad luck. I wonder if there's also like some kind of design feature or something that would make this uh, prone to so many people dying in a short period of time. You would think that this might affect a law or two. I didn't dig enough into it to see if it affected the channel or the point that they aim boats through this or if Mm. the bridge, I don't know when a bridge takes that kind of hit, do they rebuild it or do they call it a day and like, you know, just go with a, like a slingshot over the water. (sighs) Well, I've often thought like, wouldn't it be cool if they designed everything instead of bridges, we had jumps and they just put all that energy into like creating really great (laughs) shock so we could make the jumps. Exactly. Just like instead of stairs, why aren't there slides? Elon Musk is proving it that you can use a booster to slow something down upon impact. So a car, Mm -hmm. good shocks and some kind of a, you know, jet engine that just slows you right before you hit the ground. I'm all for it. I'm all. You wouldn't have problems like this. There'd be no episode. No. And speaking of episodes, I think you and I should start a show on that subject, like amazing inventions that we just come up with. We'd solve the world's mm-hmm. problems. Yeah. Episode one, how we solve the vaccines. No, I'm kidding. We wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't touch it. Wouldn't touch it. Yeah. No, thanks. Okay. Well, this next call might just explain where your packages went. If and you were to have ordered something on or around August 14th, 2013. Okay. Okay. UPS flight 1354 was coming in Birmingham Shuttlesworth International Airport in Alabama when, well, let's just listen to the call and we'll see what happened. Okay. We're going to the, we're going to the air and UPS flight. So this is a plane owned and probably just to move packages for UPS. Exactly. So, uh, you'd think, you know, they're on time all the time. So this is a, this is an operation that moves at a pretty good clip. So let's see how this uh, this goes. You ready for me to hit play? This I am ready for. All right, here we go. Birmingham, UPS thirteen fifty four. We're at one thousand. We have Papa looking for Lua. 
UPS 13 with the foot heavy Birmingham Tower is going to maintain 3,000 and uh, runway 6 is still closed. You want to uh, want the localizer 1-8? Yes, sir. The localizer 1-8 will work. UPS 13 with the foot heavy turn 10 degrees right. Join the localizer, maintain 3,000. Hey, 10 degrees, join the localizer, maintain 3,000, 1354 heavy. UPS thirteen fifty four heavy is one one miles from Baskin. Maintain two thousand five hundred till established on localizer. Clear localizer one eight approach. Two thousand five hundred till established. Clear localizer one eight approach. UPS thirteen fifty four heavy. Yeah, for our hands one thirty fourteen eighty eight. Thirty fourteen eighty eight. Pump hands. Yeah, for our planning, sir. Uh, well, how long is six two four? Is that be closed or is the plan on one eight? Uh, should be closed uh, about another fifteen minutes. Thirteen fifty four. Have you changed my frequency? One one nine zero point nine. Thirteen fifty four. Up nineteen. thirteen fifty four. Heavy runway one eight. Clear to land. Wind calm. One eight. Clear to land. Thirteen fifty four. Airport fifteen. Tower. Tower. Airport twelve plus two. Go ahead. Airport twelve. Uh, are we uh, on schedule to open back up at one zero z? Affirm, um, they're very close to the end right now. Um, Tower, Airport 12, did you see that? Airport 12, that was a crash. UPS 13, 54, heavy crash uh, on the hill. Attention, 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 uh, alert uh, 3, airport crash, aircraft crash. Uh, Three mile final runway one eight. Birmingham Tower, Airport eleven. Redbird. Airport Authority. Yeah. Um Simco. Uh aircraft. Aircraft crash three mile final runway one eight is a uh Airbus three oh six. Redbird copy. Two-mile final runway 18. Right, we're doing uh, about 18500 right now. Airport 12, go ahead. Airport 11, did you call? Yeah, standby. Airport 11, go ahead. Yeah, Airport 11. Uh, standby, Tower. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what we need to do. Tower, was that UPS? Affirmative. Tower, Airport 11. Airport 11, go ahead. Yes, sir, was that UPS? Airport 11, affirmative. Thank you very much. Tower, Airport 4, would like north on Bravo, cross uh, 64 when available. Airport 4, proceed north on Bravo, cross 624. North on Bravo, crossing 624. Tower, Airport 11, would also like north on Bravo, cross the 624. Airport 11, proceed north on Bravo, cross 624. North on Bravo, 624, Airport 11. Airport 15, Tower. Go for 15, Airport 12-2, off the runway. Airport 12-2, uh, advise when we can reopen the runway. I got FedEx inbound. I need to use the outlet. Affirm, you can use the runway is clear. Back open.
Roger that. Sean, it opens. Tyler, you can go for 15. Airport 15, go ahead. I'm sorry, you had called me earlier. Did you still need me? I disregard. I just wanted to make sure the runway was open and clear. 15, copy. Tower Airport 4 and 11 would like to cross the approach of 18. Ground, Redbird 27. Redbird 27, Tower. Redbird 27, Tower. This is Redbird 27. Uh, can you give us more information on this? Redbird 27, uh, UPS, Airbus, crashed about a two-mile final runway, 18. Are we clear to go to our standby position? The aircraft is not coming to the airport. So it's already crashed? Hey, affirmative. Redbird 27, proceed. And Birmingham, FedEx, uh, well, 1488, sir. We're with you at 11.6 for 1,000, 1, and we copied. Uh, we slowed down to 130 knots. FedEx 1488, Birmingham, descend and maintain 3,000. Runway 6 is now open. Expect ILS runway 6 approach. Okay, uh, ILS 6 approach, and descend down to 3,000, FedEx 1488. Tower Airport 411, like to cross approach 18. Airport vehicle calling second. 411, like to cross approach 18. Airport 411, cross runway 18. Crossing 18, Airport 4 and 11 are off movement area in the safety area. Airport 411, right? That was, that was, uh, what, uh, I, I have things written, so I probably should just stick to what I wrote because I want to say everything that's probably peppered into what, but what's your feelings on that? Just having heard that. Well, it was so nonchalant. Yeah. At points, and they seemed like, I was almost waiting for them to say, like, could you just get, like, the whatever's left of that plane off because we got other planes coming in? Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm going to get – I'll get someone else to do that and we'll just move on. <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of the, the vibe. It's 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 almost like in the middle of them just kind of these kind of mundane little, like, messages back and forth, like, and the plane just crashed. <laughs> <laughs> it felt very much for, to me like – I remember second grade – we were we were taking a test and this girl barfs on the floor right next to me. Test keeps going. Maintenance guy comes <laughs> in, just pours some powder on the barf and like leaves. And we're just like, so we just keep taking the <laughs> test and avoid the disaster that just happened. You know, yeah. it felt very much like that, right? That is how it felt. But I guess in thinking of their their role there are other planes in the air that are on their way so yeah. something's got to give but it does seem like they should have like I, I don't know I, maybe there's another part of the air traffic control that decides like can we have the other planes come what's happening to the people that are burning <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like somebody <laughs> that like the, every every air traffic control should have like a grandma on stand so someone on the on the line is like oh oh honey oh no oh anybody yeah. else feeling this right now you know it's just like yeah <laughs> very serious very button but to your yeah. point it's like this could be get really bad if they don't keep the rest of the planes, you know, doing what they're doing. Yeah, they gotta they gotta keep moving. But it is it is odd to hear people casually just kind of gloss over that the plane just crashed. Yeah, yeah. So okay, here's a little backstory. So UPS flight thirteen fifty four crashed upon landing at the airport in Alabama. The captain and the first officer were killed, and the airplane oh. was destroyed. 
Um, the accident was caused by the flight crew's failure to monitor the aircraft's altitude during landing, coming in That's... at about 1.2 miles short of the runway. Um, when you're flying a plane, managing the altitude seems like a pretty like a th- important yeah. part of it. And I couldn't, I, I, this was not that long ago. So th- this took place in 2013. They literally have a button that says assistive landing. You know, it's, mm. it's not rocket surgery, but it could very well have, have, there could have been a problem and they were manually flying this thing in. But Oh, my mind went everywhere on this one. <laughs> I'm going to tell you where it goes. This is not victim shaming because this didn't happen. This is a story in my head. Okay. But it was a man and a woman pilot. And in my <laughs> head, <is> going? <laughs> in my head, I look at it like this. Have you ever been driving down the freeway and you're like, well, that car won't stay straight on the road. What? That's really weird. Why is that guy? Swir- He's, he must be drunk. And then all of a sudden you see a lady's head pop up. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like I could could see not keeping your elevation up while your elevation was up. Maybe. Oh man. So you listen to that call. We just heard you're (laughs) at this point. You're speculating that he (laughs) was. Yeah. Like, like they, they found the bodies. He was fully erect. That was the only thing Mm -hmm. that we're like, we're we're pretty sure we know how this was going. He was, you know, (laughs) she, she had full, full grasp of his tracking numbers on this. (laughs) I'm de- I'm just saying, you know, I'm just joking that that I'm sure it had to be there. These are professional people. And and the pilot in this case had like 3000 hours of Ugh. flight time on that on that plane, on that type of plane. But is that a good thing? After a couple thousand flight hours, do you just kind of just yeah. go with your gut as you're landing? I'm thinking um, like a thousand and then they should be able to like sleep. It's almost like every they say uh, after ten years every band should break up because yeah. you don't do anything great after ten years. Yeah, I think it's kind of the same thing with a couple thousand flight hours. Exactly. It's just you're just going to be phoning it in, and that's way too dangerous. There should be like you won't a, pay attention to altitude. Exactly, there should be like a UPS branded sandals resort where you're forced into retirement at a certain you know after like two thousand hours. And mm-hmm. the best, the, the only work you're allowed to do is just like confirm tracking numbers or something, you know, something Exactly, basic. exactly, yeah. Soak it up in the hot tub and, you know, help with tracking. All right, so <laughs> I we already kind of covered this. Man, that was haunting. Just how serious and calm everybody remained while dealing with this. Well, it was hard to get a set, like when on... When you're playing and listening and discussing 911 calls, usually you hear the emotion get amplified because you have a non-professional civilian who's reacting to the moment. But in these particular Mayday calls, you're hearing people who are trained to maintain kind of a a consistent approach and a methodical approach with an emergency. So you don't hear that amping up of the catastrophe, despite the fact that a plane has crashed, people are dead. (laughs) <laughs> and they're just, it's, yeah, it's, they could be talking about, they could be at a Costco warehouse just keeping track of the packages <laughs> coming and going. That's yeah. like the the excitement they got. It's so, yeah. so, so it, it's one thing that is interesting in reflecting on their, on their haunting seriousness, you know, that, that just kind of keep traffic going, you know, the, the light, the green light, red light, green light, you know, just keep it going. Mm-hmm. Often. In these situations, the tower operator is given time off 
and actually counseling is made available to them after such an incident. Last thing you'd really want is, uh, you know, for them to have PTSD hit them sometime in the future in another clutch situation, you know? So I know Hollywood has portrayed this, but it does happen. They, they're in the, they're in the pocket during the, during this whole thing, but they're a puddle afterward, you know, they're a mess afterward. And, and so they, they do, they, they make sure they manage those, those uh, air traffic controllers pretty well. Their mental health is, is very well taken care of, but boy. Well, they got uh, They got a high, uh, high stress job. Cause they're, as they're reacting, like what we hear, but we don't see what they're doing. And I'm sure as this conversation's happening, they have a screen with 45 other planes that are on their way that could also crash. So yeah. if, if they get heated, if it's you, you and I, and we're squealing and crying, um, <laughs> and I'm throwing up, yeah. you know, is it, Tower, what's wrong? Tower, please tell me. <laughs> help, help me figure this out. Have, uh, did you ever play like any of those um, arcade games like Galaga or Space Invaders oh or anything? God. You know, right? R Type. I love those yeah. kind of games. Yeah. What's interesting about those is like, ha- remember how dumb you felt? Like, you're like, I'm owning this game. And then all of a sudden, like, something hits you out of nowhere and you're like, oh, I didn't even mm-hmm. see that. Like, imagine yeah. you got to do, you got to get 100 thousand points every single day of your life in this job you can't like miss a plane coming in from the left you know you can't just like oh i didn't see you there <laughs> yeah whoops whoops can't, can't happen uh what do you think was going through the mind of the fedex plane when they called in to check on what was going on with the ups plane <laughs> yeah yeah that's interesting for for one it's like their competitor has lost a bunch of packages yeah. and that's going to be a marketing right. disaster um, yep. secondly, like, what are you landing into? Are you going to be like uh, flames and <laughs> bodies everywhere? Yeah. Like, packages. I feel like I, I'm, I think I'm batting a thousand on the, the cabin scenarios, but I believe in that scenario, there was a, probably a fist bump or a high five that they're like, yeah, bump. it is a bit like a, a, a little odd that the next plane was a FedEx <laughs> one to hear that during the call. Yeah. And it's like, were they involved? Like uh, the the air traffic controllers never thought like what did the FedEx do to UPS? Are they armed with missiles? Are they? Is that what we're dealing with now? Is it that tight of a race? Um, it was crazy to hear the tower had have to calmly state the aircraft is not coming to the airport. That just that sounds like a line from like a they might be giant song or something. You know, like mm, yeah, it, it ran out of gas so it can never land, kind of thing. Yeah. You know what we mean by plane crash, right, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> well, he did have an accent, yeah. a little like Kent's. And as soon as I heard that accent, I was like, this guy's flying a plane. Yeah. So well, when are they getting here? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> it crashed. Oh, so they're on their way. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I I didn't get him or what his, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. In his head, he was probably like, wonder if I could like offer a discount code if there's any packages I could, you know, get from there and maybe we could make a little money, you know, <laughs> getting those packages to their, their destinations. The other thing that was amazing about this these calls is how everything has to keep moving in such a tragedy. You know, like that that has to be part of their training, but at the same time, you can't know how intense that's going to be until you actually have to deal with a nightmare situation like that. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just, they're, they're juggling so many very delicate little balls and you drop yeah. one and, and a bunch of lives. And, uh, but it makes me think of 
Like if you think of an air traffic controller's job managing all these flights and whatnot and timing everything and managing the runways, imagine on September 11th when they had oh to redirect like every single plane to get them all out of the air. How complicated that must have been and also not knowing what's going on in the world as they're trying to do it. And then the yes, sir, yes, ma'am kind of thing that comes into play too, where they were scrambling jets into like military jets into the air and stuff, just keeping mm. all that going. Cause I'm sure those guys, you know, if, if Iceman and goose are up there, they're not following <laughs> FAA, you know, they're not, I'm coming in. They're you're, rebels. You're gonna let me. Yeah. They're, they're going to fly by the, you know, juice bar if they want. Um, <laughs> Hey, Hey Jordan. Yeah. Hey, do you typically have ads on your podcast? Uh, I, every so often, we, we I can mail food to people in a little package. You know, it shows up at your door. That's nice. <laughs> Sometimes, well, I always leave space for ads, but I'm not quite sure we ever have any. But I'm going to put a space right here, right now, because we have to pay the bills. All right. Ads are probably done or ads never happened. And this has only been three seconds. For <laughs> <laughs> Feels like you moved into the future or something. Mm. All right. So we've arrived at our final tragedy for this episode where we find Alaska Airlines Flight 261. The company is named after one of our states here in the United States of America. It's called Alaska. <laughs> uh, it was carrying two pilots, three cabin crew, members and 83 passengers around Anacapa Island in California. And everything in this case worked out just fine. Just another uneventful flight. Just kidding. It was horrible. So let's, uh, let's listen to what happened on this one. Shall we? Yeah. Lovely flights don't get discussed yeah, on the don't. 911 calls they, podcast. They really don't. No. All right. Here we go. Thanks. 
Hi there, Del Secre. That plane has just started to do a big, huge plunge. A big, huge plunge. Uh, thank you. Skywest 5154. The MD-80 is uh, one becoming about 2 o'clock, about 10 miles. Now, another pilot reports he's really looking pretty bad. They're heading you right. Do you see him? Yes, sir. Uh, I concur. He is uh, definitely in a nose down uh, position descending quite rapidly. Okay, very good. Keep your eye on him. Alaska 261, are you here with us yet, sir? American 161, you can proceed direct to Denny now. Army 5004 contact center on 119.05. Okay, very good. It looks like he's turning out, turning over in front of you now, Skylar's 5154. You still got your eyes on him, sir? There is a uh, definitely out of control. Okay, very good. haunting i mean they're they're literally just so hard just it's so so weird to hear people talking so seriously in case you didn't catch the part where one of the other pilots in the airspace who had eyes on flight 261 said the plane is inverted Mm -hmm. that means that the plane was upside down flying at 500 miles an hour upside down in a nosedive from 20,000 feet, give or take. Oh. Yeah. I, I wonder what the weather was like. Cause something I've heard of happening uh, with planes is if it's, if it's cloudy and they can't in there and they can't see the ground, well, it's, they can become disoriented. Although it seems in this case that they were having some kind of mechanical problems at one point, but um yeah, it's it was pretty strange to hear the pilot at the beginning, and he sounded a little panicked, so we heard some emotion. But I definitely heard emotion when it was the statement made that was he just hit the water. Yeah, it, although it was very subtle, it was there. It'd be hard not to. I mean, jeez, yes, jeez, and especially being a pilot, like you, you, you own that responsibility, and to and to see that happen. I mean, I don't know how you. How you how you do that otherwise? Okay, here's a little bit of backstory. So the call. Yeah, I'm the, curious. Yeah, the call starts out just as the pilot had actually experienced a massive uncontrolled dive already, due to a mechanical failure in one of the vertical stabilizers on the plane. Uh, the pilots were having to physically hold back the throttle with more than ten pounds of pressure 
to keep the plane straight. This was due to some improper lubrication of the jack screw that controls the vertical stabilization of the plane. So this call is interesting because much of the conversation between the plane and the ground is happening actually on a channel reserved for in-air troubleshooting. This channel is where the pilot can get like sort of like customer support when the plane is giving them a blue screen of death or a spinning, you know, beach ball. (laughs) They can call this one channel. So a lot of this call was taking place on that. The pilot seemed to be doing okay, and then suddenly he isn't. His communication seems to go out. And for the rest of the call, we only have eyes on the plane from other planes. Mm. It goes inverted. And then they see it hit the ocean. Mm. All passengers aboard, aboard Flight 261 uh, died. And the, the, um, the cause was improperly lubricated jack screws. The jack screw had, had either lifted the, the vertical stabilizer or wouldn't lift it enough. And they, so they had to manually like muscle the plane into staying in position. So, oh my goodness. Oh my God. Once again, inverted. So we know what happens on a plane when there's a little turbulence. You know, everybody's luggage comes out and the food cart goes flying around and you end up wearing throw up for a shirt style. (laughs) I can't imagine 20,000 feet, the plane goes upside down. And then for 20,000 feet, you free fall through the air to the sea below. Just uh, and you're you're completely helpless. Uh, the pilot was completely helpless yeah. in this case, uh, all because of a weird mechanical problem. That, see, this is why I don't like flying or being on a boat. Some freak thing like this can happen, and you're just like left in a position where no human being should ever be anyway. Naturally, yep. there's no reason for us to be up there. Shouldn't shouldn't be shouldn't be up there. It's like, I I feel the same way about like river rafting. Like like professional guides on a river die wrapped around a rock. They can't get out from the crushing power of the the flow of the water. There's certain places where I just, I don't feel like it's a high odd that you're going to survive. Like personally, I'll go skydiving before I'll get in a river because that's a 50-50 shot. I'm either going to live or I'm going to straight up die. I know that. <laughs> but there's too much at stake on a river. It's like you could sort of die or sort of live or sort of stretch it out for sort of drown suffer for a long time in a little pocket underneath a bolt. I don't know. It's just too much. Ugh. I don't want to do that. Ugh. Yeah, no, thanks. No, thanks. I, I want to travel the way they did in the olden days where like you would leave somewhere. And by the time you arrived, like some people had died naturally and there's new babies <laughs> that are joining you. Like that sort of thing is how yeah. travel is supposed to happen. I agree. You know, with, with an airplane, it's like, yeah, it's convenient, but what a horrible way to go. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. Strap up the ox cart. By the time you get there, they've built the town. So I'm cool mm, exactly. with that. I'm cool with it. You know, maybe you lost a kid along the way, but you know. But you had 14 of them. We had 14. So you you plan for that. We'll make more. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, how about a happy ending? I think we need one because this is a, it, it's, and I think it's a, a, except extra dark because of how kind of calm these were. Yeah. It's yeah. like theater of the mind because we're picturing the chaos. I mean, rarely do you get this, you know, like the most haunting uh, 911 calls or the most haunting phone calls from like serial killers are the ones where they're just stone cold 
stone cold. And that's like every single one of these calls. It's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. really hard. All right. So I'm going to play this one. It's pretty self-explanatory, which I'm really happy about because uh, I I did a lot of backstories on this one. So a lot of a lot of research into Liberia. So Yeah, I've learned a lot about the world. <laughs> me too. All right. Ready for me to hit play on this? Let's do we we need this. Okay. Palate cleanser. <laughs> All right, here we go. It's emergency. Hello, sir. It's not emergency. I'm stuck on something for college, my love. And I'm going to get this where I'm not, not, I might not pass my exams, my darling. Hang on, hang on a minute. You're, you're on an emergency line. You realize that, don't you? I know, but I can't mean, I don't you want, know. Do you want me to help you with your college homework? No, it's not college homework, my love. It's a questionnaire form. Questionnaire? What sort of questionnaire? Well, I just wanted to know what year the internet first came out. I can't remember. What year the internet came out on? Yes, please, sir. Yeah, I'm doing something for my slimming and my dietitian out people eat What year the internet was? Yes, please, sir. Yeah. Right. Well... I, I'm very sorry, but I can't answer your question. I'll tell you why. We are very, very busy tonight. You um, can tell me a rough guess, no, please, I my can't. darling. No, there, there are other ways of finding out, like your local library, and that, or ask a friend or whatever. But you re- 999 calls are purely for emergency calls. Of I know that, my okay, darling. So please don't call us on something like this again, okay? You can tell me what roughly you are, please. No, and because, you know, I've got to take other 999 calls, so I'm going to terminate the call. So, Who is this person? She, she, my darling, she was, she was uh, doing her dietitian uh, exam to become a dietitian, and one of the questions was, when did the internet start? <laughs> and her <laughs> reaction was like, I should call the emergency line, and <laughs> like if 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 I had a question oh. that I need like that that I needed answers, and it was like I need five hundred options of how I can get the answer. <laughs> I wouldn't have come up with call 911. <laughs> exactly. There's so many other options. Oh, she sounded lonely. But, uh, well, yeah. Well, she also sounded irritated. Like, she was just like, just tell, give me a guess. <laughs> also, if I'm not quite sure I'd trust her as a dietitian or anything. Maybe dietitian is the only thing I would trust her on giving me advice on if she doesn't have the wherewithal to to know not to call 911 or 999 to answer such a, you know, oh my gosh. Just, well, that's a, she can get herself in some trouble, but I do enjoy uh, that he was uh, kind enough to be like, you could go to your local library, you could like, phone a friend. <laughs> he really went above and beyond the he Call was, of Duty there. He was definitely the concierge on that. And I'll bet you yeah. they get that much more than we hear about, you know, them. People calling. I, I think lo- I think there's probably a well, lot more lonely people than we know. Like, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> Something happened the other like last week that involves 911 that it blew my mind. My uh, I have a next door neighbor who's a little like simple kind of guy, and he um, we had a really heavy rain after it snowed. So there was a, like the snow was melting. There was a, and there was nowhere for the water to run off. So it ended up flooding like kind of near his back door, and it was getting in his house. Um, and this is something that seems to happen to this family all the time. But anyway, I was like doing my thing in the house and I saw a fire truck outside and I was like, oh my God, like what the heck? And I look out to my window and I realized that the firemen and women are like at his back door, like up to their ankles in the water. Uh. And so I, I opened my door and I go out and I was like, 
my neighbors out there, it's just all these firefighters. And I was like, anything I can do to help? And they're like, yeah, he's getting some flooding. I think he thought we had a pump, so he called us in, and we don't have a pump, so uh, it's not much we can do to help. <laughs> so, so so anyway, they leave, and I was thinking, like, weird that he'd call 911 to see if they could help him, but, you know, whatever, maybe. And then maybe four or five hours later, I saw fire truck outside again. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I looked and they're all over by his house and they're like installing a pump. And I was like, oh, like the nice firefighters must have got a pump and brought it back and they're helping him pump out, you know, the water getting his hose. And I didn't think anything of it. And then later that night, I noticed, you know, how like you have your neighbors on your Facebook. I saw he made a post saying like, very bad flooding today. I called 911 and they couldn't help me. They told me I had to go to the hardware store and buy a pump. I got one and I called 911 and they came and hooked it up for me. <laughs> no way. He, <laughs> he took them saying, you got to go to the hardware store. Step one, go there first and then call us back. <laughs> yeah. And they, they came and, and the pump, to me, it looked like, you know, you plug it into power and then there's this other thing you put in the water and it <laughs> sends it down the hose. It was the most basic pump designed for probably like a campsite or something. Uh, but yeah, he called twice. <laughs> Oh man, bless his heart. Bless his heart. It's people it's some people, I won't say your neighbor necessarily, but some people I'm I'm like, how did you get to be the age you are without like getting hit in the road, you know? <laughs> oh, just so special. So special. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here. We've uh Well, I've learned a lot about Mayday calls, aviation. Uh, the registration of boats and how to avoid paying excessive fees at the cost of having a weird flag. Yeah. Queen Victoria. <laughs> Canadian holidays. Yeah. I I try to bring, uh, you know, a healthy portion of a little bit of everything on every call. <laughs> oh, gosh. I appreciate you having me, having me here. I'm excited to get out of Jack's disgusting <laughs> studio here. He needs to uh, do a bunch of things before uh, the public sees this space. Yeah. You'll notice the spatula on the desk. That's to extricate your rear from the seat. By now, it's just fused. So you're going to have to. No, I've been that. standing up like above a public toilet. I'm like in Walmart bathroom here. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you for coming on. And, um, if you like, if you, you got everyone that's listening, you should go check out Jordan's amazing nighttime podcast. Um, uh, go to nighttime, nighttimepodcast.com. Don't go to the nighttime. <laughs> yeah. Different website. <laughs> if you want to know why, listen to his episode on the glove guy, the Halifax glove guy. He, uh, as revenge, he is <laughs> cyber squatting. <laughs> that's that's that'll teach you. That'll teach you. you. Do a do a podcast on somebody, and they go out and they try to own your brand. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know you really got them. Yeah, that's when you know you've arrived when they when you you're big enough that uh, they're like this could be worth some money. So congratulations on yeah, that. Yeah, actually, I think that on all honesty though, I think that URL is down. I think oh. uh, it got there's some kind of procedure you can complain about someone pretending to be you on the internet. Uh huh. Uh, I I had to do that. Yeah. Well, good. I'll go check see if it's available. I'll start squatting it and redirect it to nine one one. That's what you should do. Yeah, that's it. You get people on the show, you pump up their show, redirect. <laughs> the traffic <laughs> that's my strategy the only way i could get big i mean yeah mike boudet told me i'd never get big so i i found ways <laughs> mm, there you go one way oh man more well, than thank, one way 
No more than one way to do it. That's right. Well, thanks for being here, Jordan. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me up. Oh, we'll have you on more, more and more and more, mm. unless you unless you had a terrible time. No, no thanks, bud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Hugs, everybody. Hugs. Well, Jordan, thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom and letting me share all my knowledge and wisdom about Canada and, and maritime law. It's been a blast. Um, you can find Jordan Bonaparte's show nighttime uh, just about anywhere, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you don't listen to podcasts. He's syndicated, so you can probably find him just on your radio somewhere. I don't know. The guy's like Superman. Also, you can find him on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash nighttime podcast. Check him out. Support him. He's amazing. And I'm just so flattered that he uh, would come on the show. Check us out wherever you know where to find us. And Patreon, we're there too if you really want to help us pay the bills. Thank you so much for listening. Bugs. Bugs.